Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Okay, just quick recap from last week. If you want the full recap, you can go on to SoundCloud. All of the, the Ephesians series teachings are online there. But last week, we looked at the amazing truth that God is faithful. And His faithfulness goes beyond our unfaithfulness. God's promise is that He'll keep us to the end. And nothing that we do, no human effort can undo or break God's seal upon our lives. We looked at the miracle that what God accomplished in our lives and through our lives at at salvation is so much more than we can do after salvation. Nothing that we do in the flesh, no human effort, nothing we do in the flesh after our salvation can undo what God did at salvation. And that's an amazing truth because as we come to realize that God's faithfulness is greater than our unfaithfulness, the more confidence we're going to have when we're approaching God, when we're having relationship with Him, when we maybe fall short, when we make mistakes, we can always enjoy his presence with confidence and with boldness because religion says you need to work at and get your your act in such a way before you approach God because otherwise he's going to be offended at you and he's not going to be so nice to you anyone ever been uh, at that uh, at that place where you like you you, you fall into a rut thank you Lana, for your honesty uh, you fall into a rut and you kind of make a mistake and then you even skip church the following Sunday right because that's where God's holy presence is at. And you, you just, you don't feel that holy right now. So you can't enter into his presence like the old covenant, right? Where the people couldn't enter into the holy of holies because of their sin. Old covenant. There's a new, there's a new way of relating to God that God desires for us to experience. And that is his spirit in us. We have become his dwelling place. We have become his temple. And so he's never leaving us. He's never forsaking us. It doesn't matter what type of stupid you do. God is right there. Maybe even crying his eyes out at the stupid you're doing because you're wrecking your life. And you're probably wrecking someone else's life for the stupid you're doing. But God's not offended at that. Because Jesus' payment for your stupid or your sin or whatever you call it is greater than anything you would ever do. And we'll get into a little bit of that this morning. Um, but that is a recap on last week. For this morning, we're going to uh, come out from Ephesians chapter 4, going into Ephesians chapter 5, just to get a little bit of a, a context. So this whole letter is one letter. And it's obviously difficult to, to read through a whole letter in one setting in church, um, because it's six chapters, it's lengthy chapters. And so we didn't do that per se, but I want to encourage you, as we're going through the series, we're on part 19 this morning, I believe. I encourage you, go through, read through, and study through Ephesians. Go through the, the different uh, things that we've been looking at specifically. Allow the Holy Spirit to maybe illuminate other things to you. But don't allow Him to illuminate something to you that does not magnify Christ. I'm going to say that again. Don't allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate something to you that does not, that does not magnify Christ. Why am I saying that? Because the Holy Spirit's ministry is all about Christ, what he accomplished, not what you do, 
what God's desire has been from the beginning of time for his spirit to live in you and his spirit to live through you. So if he brings something to your heart and he tries to magnify a, a new teaching, a new doctrine to you, and it's not that, then realize that you're probably missing something here. I know that offended someone. Uh, I pray that uh, you'll get over the offense and that you'll uh, allow the spirit to reveal to you what I'm talking about through making that statement. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate towards one another. Has God graciously, graciously forgiven you? Question mark. Yes. Then graciously forgiven one, give one another in the depths of Christ's love. Chapter 5. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, this is awesome. And throughout Ephesians chapter 4 and going into chapter 5 now, we see uh, we won't get into it um, this morning, but later into chapter 5, there's this continual illustration of this is who you are in Christ, so this shouldn't be part of your life. This is who the Spirit of God is, so this shouldn't be part of your life. And Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3 really lays a thick foundation of identity. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 lays a thick foundation of this is the life of Christ that should be manifest through you. Why? Because something happened. You're no longer a sinner. You're no longer a, a, a person that is bound by sin and the lust of your flesh, but you are now a spiritual believer with the nature of God Almighty, the nature of Christ. Now learn and come to know this so that you can live it out. This is what Ephesians 5 really talks about. Verse 1 to, three, four, uh, one to 2. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us. Who loved us? He loved us. Romans uh, 5 verse 8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and reconciled us to God. While you were still a sinner, when you could not do anything for God, when you were not interested in God, when the world was not interested in pleasing God and living in, uh, in his way of holiness, when they could not because it is impossible, God made a way. He laid down his life. He proposed to us. We didn't propose to him. A lot of Christianity has really gotten the cart in front of the horses where it's all about our love for God. And I'm going to win the world for Christ. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. The voice of Peter. Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'm going to be there till the end. No one else but me. Ah, Peter. I'm your rock. I'm your guy. Send me. And we know the story of Peter denying Jesus three times and then he receives the spirit of God and he really encounters what God's love for him is all about. And he does amazing things. And this is something that God is inviting us to, to come to know his love for us continually daily, not just once off, not just kind of uh, think, it, uh, think about it in the sense of getting a certificate and you graduate from whatever school you want to call it the school of God's love. And then let's move on to more important things, more meaty things. No, we'll never graduate to a place where we've seen, tasted, experienced all of the depths of God's love. In heaven one day, but here on earth, it's going to be a continual growing, continual opening up and allowing him to love us and show us his love. 
and be touched by his love. Now, I love the word follower. It's a beautiful word. And to a degree, I am a follower of Christ, but to a degree, I'm also not a follower of Christ. We aren't as much followers as we are walking in oneness with, being led by God's spirit. It's a different picture. Following means that someone, or the concept of following is generally someone is ahead of you and you're following after, right? And there could be a distance between. And there's no distance between you and God. You are one with Christ, as Devin said. And Devin didn't say it, so you don't need to quote Devin. Devin quoted the word of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says that he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. There's no separation between your spirit and God's spirit. So we're not as much following God as we are being led by God. Not being led by him from the outward. We are led by him from the inward. It's God's spirit in us that is leading us, drawing us, pushing us, confirming things to us. Jesus goes where we go. Matthew 11 verse 28 and 30 says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Who wants to learn live freely and lightly? Amen. We get to live freely and lightly. As we come to Jesus. Now coming to Jesus again is not a place. It's not a going to a specific destination. It's not about going to church. It's not about going to sit down at your table. Opening up your Bible. Now I'm coming to Jesus. It's quite difficult to to put relationship with God into words. Because nothing. There's very few things in this world that illustrate that perfect oneness. Even husband and wife. Like Catherine is on that side or somewhere else where there's like we we one in a sense, but we often not with one another, where God is always with you. Now that might be a scary thought to some of you because sometimes you're doing things that you like you like <laughs> you're like, man, uh, maybe you could feel ashamed because someone's watching you, so to speak, right? But it's not watching you in the sense of trying to look at and like zap you with a lightning bolt or anything like that is there just ministering to you we looked at romans 8 15 where the holy spirit's ministering to your life is that you get to call god abba father that you are adopted to him and john chapter 16 we see this beautiful picture of the holy spirit's ministry to us as well convicting us of our righteousness so if you ever convicted on anything else than your righteousness your right standing with God, your perfect oneness with Him, it's not the Holy Spirit. Any feelings of guilt, shame, fear, condemnation is not from God. It's from the devil. And oftentimes the devil comes in the voice of your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, right? Oftentimes the voice of the devil comes sounding like you as well. Whether it's your own life, whether it's someone else's life. We should be operating more in line with the voice of the Holy Spirit, even to one another. Second Corinthians 5, 16 says, we should no longer regard one another after the flesh, but after the spirit. And it's challenging because all of us are at different places of maturity, right? Some of us are acting like five-year-olds. Some of us are acting like 16-year-olds. Some of us are acting like 80-year-olds, right? 
it's funny how going through the different stages of life, sometimes people like they, they, they get gray, but they don't really mature. You know what I'm saying? Ben is waving his hands in the air there. Um, ben, you're the exception. You're the exception. No, it's, um, we need to understand that maturity does not come by age. It does not come by wrinkles. It doesn't come by gray hair. Maturity comes by aligning our hearts with the heart of God and coming to know the nature of Christ inside of us. That is what fruitfulness is birthed from, intimacy with Jesus. That's God's heart for us. Coming to Him, enjoying fellowship with Him, allowing Him to minister to us. I shared this with, with someone recently, and this has really been a blessing to me and my wife and to anyone that I've been able to minister to who's going into a season of maybe having kids. Man, having kids, like your, your, your life gets changed a little bit, like with regards to your schedule and your timing and your sleep and all of these things. <laughs> and um, all of the parents are understanding what I'm talking about. The singles are laughing, thinking, oh, it can't be, can't be that intense. It's pretty intense, guys. Um, obviously not that intense because we're having a second one now in Feb. Um, now, the awesome thing is like what I've learned through the season is really understanding my oneness with Christ. And that it doesn't matter what I'm doing, God is continually ministering to me, showing me things, wanting to teach me his love for me, show me his love while I'm changing a nappy and like I'm hit with that stench. I'm like, whoa, man. <laughs> Imagine, uh, so, sorry for the, the graphic picture, guys. Um, but in, in those moments, like you can just laugh and just enjoy the, just picture this. Jesus had dirty diapers. Just now, I'm not wanting you to picture it in the sense of like, oh, Jesus, like, are you? Like, I'm wanting you to get like, God, God's son, God in the flesh decided to humble himself to that place. Man, God's love for us is radical. God had everything. He could walk. He could talk. He didn't need a diaper change. And he came to that place to make a way for you to be right with him. Let's start becoming prideful and to, to this degree that, we think that Jesus isn't enough. The song Jireh, Jesus is enough. We, we, we get to a place where we just like, we're so carnal that we can't see the spiritual. And that's what Corinthians writes about. Paul writes about this, that the, 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 the things of the spirit cannot be understood by that natural man because it's foolishness to him. Let's not become so carnal that the things of God and what he made available to us is just foolishness to us. Even as believers, I'm not just talking to unbelievers, as believers, we're not meditating on and we're not allowing the word to become alive to us to the degree that it brings transformation in our lives. That's the intent of the word, not to just feel good by the word. The words that I'm declaring to you, the things that I'm sharing with you this morning, is not for you to feel good and be like, wow, Etienne, wow, you come up to me afterwards, you're like, amazing word. Awesome. What about the word? Which part of the word was amazing to you? Um, I think it was just amazing. Wow. That's awesome. The word needs to become personal and alive to us because it's from that place that it brings change. Unless it becomes personal to us, it's just going to be someone else's great revelation. And you're not going to be changed by someone else's great revelation. You're going to be changed by the Holy Spirit's conviction in your heart, bring revelation to your heart about a matter. That brings change. That brings maturity in our lives. And as a church, we are really all about discipleship and really not discipling people into individuals, into faces, into personalities, but into Christ. 
You see the church of Corinth getting this messed up completely as well. Some followed Apollo, some followed Paul, some followed Peter. Just missing the plot completely. Why? Because people are carnal. They want to draw to a specific personality that they kind of, I like his jokes, I like his personality, I like how he dresses, I like. It's not about him, it's about Jesus. And him bringing Jesus. Stop following people that are stroking your flesh. Follow people that are pointing you to Christ. Someone needed to hear that. It wasn't in my notes. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We see in Ephesians chapter 5 this, this picture of Jesus loving us and offering himself as a sacrifice for us. Let's look at a little bit deeper at these two concepts, sacrifice. And some translations talk, talks about sacrifice, sweet aroma, sweet fragrance. And the question that I want to ask us this morning and what we're going to focus on is what sacrifice and what sweet fragrance can we bring to God? Because throughout the word, we see sacrifices and we see this, this, this picture of sacrifice and, and sweet aroma, sweet fragrances being brought to God as, a, as, a, as an act of worship, as an, as a, as an act of just declaring that God is good, He is wonderful, He is who He says He is. And so let's look at these two concepts a little bit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, because we want our lives to be a sacrifice. Uh, uh, how can I put this? I want my life to set off a sweet aroma to God. I want my, my, my life to not be a dirty diaper to God, but I want it to be a, a, a jasmine bush to God, right? You guys get the, the, the analogy. You get the dirty diaper and then you get the jasmine, jasmine bush. I don't want to sit in a room the whole day where I smell dirty diapers. I want to smell jasmine. It's a beautiful smell. I want to smell roses. In that same way, we want our lives to, 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 to be the sweet smelling aroma to God. The smell of steak right on the fire. Lamb chops. Yo, a few things are come close to lamb chop on a, on a bride. Okay, you guys get the picture. Let's come back to the word. Don't be distracted now. Okay, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16 says, But thanks be to God, for in union with Christ, we are always led by God, as prisoners in Christ's victory procession, God uses us to make the knowledge about Christ spread everywhere like a sweet fragrance. For we are like a sweet-smelling incense offered by Christ to God, which spreads among those who are being saved and those who are being lost. For those who are being lost, it is a deadly stench that kills. But for those who are being saved, it's a fragrance that brings life. Who then is capable for such a task? Now, this is awesome. God uses us to make the knowledge about Christ spread everywhere like a sweet fragrance. When the knowledge about Christ is being spread, that is when a sweet fragrance is being set off. And he's going on and he's talking about the deadly stench to, to those who, who don't believe and then the life that it brings to those who are being saved. Now, all that this is meaning is that as we share the knowledge of Christ, obviously some are going to believe and some are not going to believe. And when they believe, it's a further incense, a further aroma, a further fragrance that is being set off because someone has come to know the depths and the love of Christ and entered into union with God Almighty, which is his greatest desire. 1 Timothy 2.4, for all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. The truth about what? Not the truth about what you need to do, what you shouldn't do. The truth about who Christ is and God's desire to be one with us 
and to come to know his, his love at deeper levels so that it can bring transformation in our lives and so that we can bring others into this kingdom. And those who say no to this message, those who goes without, by default, they're just experiencing death because you cannot experience life outside of perfect union with Jesus. You cannot experience purpose, satisfaction, fulfillment outside of union with Jesus. There'll always be a void. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much success you have in the worldly sense. Without God's spirit living inside of you, you'll never be satisfied. We see this throughout the world. People commit suicide. People lose, take their lives. People are just bitter and sour. They lose their families. Why? Because of the love of Christ that hasn't impacted them. And so they've got all the money in the world. They've got all of the things figured out, but they haven't come to know the love of Christ. When the knowledge about Christ is spread, we are setting sweet fragrances off to God. And we too are sweet-smelling incense offered by Christ to God. Philippians 4 verse 17 to 19 says, Not that I seek or am eager for your gift, but I do seek and I'm eager for the fruit which increases to your credit, the harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. But I have your full payment and more. I have everything I need and amply supplied. Now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent me, they are the fragrant odor of an offering and a sacrifice which God welcomes and in which he delights. And my God will liberally supply, full to the full, your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now verse 19 is super popular because it's uh, oftentimes very self-seeking, self-centered. And my God will liberally supply all of my needs according to Christ or according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Anyone of you ever used that scripture in, in context to trusting God for whatever you fill in the blank? You fill in the blank. I've been there. You've been there. Maybe you're still there and camping there. And the, this morning is, a, is an opportunity for you to maybe just readjust what the scripture is talking about and in what context it was used. So the whole book of Philippians is a beautiful book written from prison. Gives you a lot of context, a lot of understanding of what was taking place and the life of Paul and his focus. Then he gets into chapter four and he really talks about this, the gifts that he received and the blessings that he received from this church. But he opens up in verse 17. He says, I'm not seeking and I'm not eager for your gift per se, but I do seek and I'm eager for the fruit which increases to your credit. Brackets, the harvest of blessing that is accumulated to your account. Question, what harvest does the word talk about? Is it something material? Is it something physical? Is it monetary? Was there more to this? In Romans chapter 10, it talks about a harvest and talks about the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. What is that talking about? Is it talking about, man, all of the gold in the earth is available to us. There's a harvest of finances. I just need to go and get it. I just need to get some laborers around me and we're going to get the harvest. No, hopefully you guys know that the answer is no. That's not what it's talking about. The harvest that this talk is, uh, that the word of God is talking about, that Ephesians, uh, Philippians is talking about here, what Paul is thanking the, the church for is that there's one harvest of blessing that we are accumulating as believers here on earth, that we can take into eternity. It's not your money. It's not your gold. It's not your savings. It's not your house. It's not your cars, but people, lives, souls. And what is Paul saying? 
Your finances, your giving enabled me to do something. It did not enable Paul to go on luxury holidays. Now somebody's, oh man, I wish. Why? Why does AT need to share these things with me? Because I was like, I was, I was on track. Like I've, I've, I've planned my holiday. I've dreamed about it. I've envisioned it. I've got my vision board and it's holidays here and holidays there in the name of Jesus, in the name of Philippians 4, 19. And now I'm bursting the balloons. Now, the awesome thing with this is you can become very sad or you can just breathe a moment and ask, Holy Spirit, just show me if this is true, if this is something that you're delighting for me, if this is something that I need to come to terms with. I thank you, Father, that what you have in mind for me is greater than what I've got in mind for myself. It's going to take some adjustment to your functionality. But whatever God has for us, whatever God has planned and purposed for us, it's better than anything we can plan and purpose for ourselves. So if I need to sacrifice and let go of something, it's for my benefit. And not only for my benefit, but for every person in my life. Every person I'll ever meet, it's for their benefit. Me choosing to let go of my carnality and choose to Focus on my spirituality. He says, now the gift that I received from Epaphroditus, the gift you sent me, they are the fragrant odor of an offering, a sacrifice which God welcomes and which he delights in. Why does he welcome that? Why does he delight in that? It's not because my son Paul now had food on the table. Yes, God wants us to have food on the table. But there's something significant in this gift giving. It was the enabling of the gospel going out. And on that note, I thank every one of you for being generous to this ministry and us being able to even send a team to Albania, for us to be able to take care of the family where there's needs, where, 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 where people are maybe struggling because of COVID, because of lockdown, all of these things. But more than that, I thank you for your generosity because you're enabling us to teach the saints to have a meeting like this and to equip the saints so that every one of you can mature as the believers who God created you and called you to be arise and be the light of the world. So thank you for your generosity. That is what Paul is thanking this church for. He wasn't thanking them because of anything carnal. It was all spiritual. It was all about lives being impacted for God and his kingdom. So verse 19 is linked to all of this. And my God will liberally, Freely supply, full to the full, your every need, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Remember, highlight here, God will liberally supply your every need. It does not say God will liberally supply your every want. Difference between need and want. I know you want things. I want things. God's spirit and what he made available to you is so much more about your need than it's about your want. We get brought up, we get trained to want certain things. Facebook is telling us daily what we want. It's tuning us, it's programming us to want things, want nice shoes, want that nice new renovation in my room, those nice new scatter cushions or scatter pillows. <laughs> I'm using the ladies' examples now. Um, that new... Uh, Whatever, uh, I'm going to stop using examples. I don't want to upset you guys. More than I probably already know, I'm joking. Um, so there's a difference between need and want. And when we come to terms with this, that 
man, I'm going to put my trust in God's spirit showing me what I need and what's been provided for me, my life, my life's actually going to be more satisfying. But when we're living in a place of wanting, wanting, and allowing the world to show us what is important, what we should be desiring, what we should be focusing and running after, we're missing out on the Spirit of God in us, showing us that the things that we need to be fruitful, Ephesians chapter 1 talks about this, that God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. So it's Peter. Uh, But every spiritual blessing that we need to live a fruitful life, it's been given to us. And God has enabled us to bring these things to pass. That's on his heart. We looked at this last week, 2 Corinthians 1.20. We're not going to go there. But all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus came. He died. He fulfilled. Christ Jesus didn't come to a half a job. And he's coming again to kind of finish what he started. Yes, he is coming back again. But it's for a different purpose than what he came for the first time. The first time he came to make it possible for God's spirit to live in man. The second time that he's coming is to bring into perfection everything that God desires. Spirit, soul, and body. So all of God's promises, everything that we need to live in this life right now and to live a life of significance has been accomplished through Jesus. I know it's challenging because you guys have got dreams. I've got dreams. I've got goals. And we haven't seen all of those things come to pass just yet. So like you're wondering like, but what does this now actually mean if Christ and all of the promises of God have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus? So what does it actually mean with those things that I don't see yet? I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to show you what that, that, that means. Okay, Hebrews 9 verse 10 to 15. It's not that I'm ministering questions. I'm ministering for you to hear from God because you can hear from him. And I'm showing you the word and allowing you to also think for yourself this morning. Imagine that. That a pastor allows the, the congregants to think for themselves. Hebrews 9, 10 to 15. We're coming to a close. Okay, let's see here quickly. Um, Hebrews 9, 10 to 15 from the Amplified Classic. It says, For the ceremonies deal only with clean and unclean meats and drinks and different washings, mere external rules and regulations for the body imposed to the tide, the worship is over until the time of setting things right of reformation of the complete new order when Christ the Messiah shall establish the reality of what things or what these things foreshadow a better covenant. Now, uh, Colossians 1, I almost wanted to say colonialism. Um, (laughs) Colossians 1, 26 and 28 says, there's a divine mystery. So it's talking about things that have been set right, things that have been set straight, a reformation, a complete new order. When Christ the Messiah shall establish the reality. Okay. Pause. Colossians 1, 26 to 28. There's a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now is being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ to flood you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. Who does God want to know it? Everyone. Verse 28, Christ is our message. What is our message? Christ, not prosperity, not X, not Y, not Z, but Christ. Christ is a specific message. It is the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, dealing with the sin of the world so that man can have God's word live in them and be empowered to live 
through them. That's the message of Christ. It's one message. It's a specific message. It's not a whole bunch of messages. Now, with the empowering of the Spirit, there are things available to us. We are able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover because of the empowering of God's Spirit. Acts 1.8. Now, you'll receive power, dunamis ability to do what? To be my witnesses. Now, when you go out, you don't really witness as much as you are a witness to something. You are witness to the love of Christ. You are witness to the power of God manifest through you. So it's not so much a work as it's a coming to know identity, what you have, and having that overflow. Verse 28, Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with tireless intensity with his power flowing through me to present every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Christ. So this is the, 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 the setting things straight that Jesus came to accomplish for us. Verse 11 from uh, Hebrews 9. But that appointed time came when Christ the Messiah appeared as a high priest of the better things that have come and are to come. Then through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with human hands, that is not a part of this material creation, he went once for all into the holy of holies of heaven, not by virtue of blood of goats and calves by which to make reconciliation between God and man, but his own blood. Having found and uh, secured a complete redemption an everlasting release for us. For if the mere sprinkling of unholy and defiled persons with blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of unburned heifer is sufficient for the purification of the body, body how much more? Surely shall the blood of Christ, who by virtue of his eternal spirit, his own pre-existent divine personality, has offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice to God. Highlight, he offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice to God. Purify our consciences from dead works and lifeless observances to serve the ever-living God. Christ the Messiah is therefore the negotiator, mediator of a new agreement so that those who are called and offered, it may receive the fulfillment of the promised everlasting inheritance. Since the death has taken place, which rescues and delivers and redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first agreement. A whole bunch in there that I'm not going to get to, but focusing in on, again, Jesus himself was this perfect sacrifice for us. The sacrifice that was demanded to end the first agreement, but also the sacrifice to come and deal with the problem of sin. Before Jesus, there were sacrifices given. And I really want to, we won't focus in on it entirely this morning, but there's so much power in coming to understand the, 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 the relation between the old system of sacrifices that was being brought and the blood of the animals that were being brought to to, to, to do something specific and how Jesus came to bring that way to an end and Jesus being the perfect sacrifice, unblemished, Lamb of God. Because when we're ministering to, to people out there, and specifically um, to Muslims, they also believe in the virgin birth, but they don't have a significant explanation of why the virgin birth. And for us, the significance lies in this story. The spotless lamb of God, man, the, uh, the only man ever born without a nature of sin, Jesus Christ. 
a sacrifice that had no sin in him, never did any sin because of the virgin birth. And because of that, he was the acceptable sacrifice to come and deal with the sin of the world once and for all time. Meditate on that. Get to know this, the, the, the significance of this because when you're ministering to people uh, of different faith and specifically Muslims, there's, a, there's an, uh, uh, a common ground and it's virgin birth. Common ground. And it's always good to find common ground and then from common ground, explain your point of view. But before you explain your point of view, ask them their point of view. Now, this is uh, Evangelism 101. Um, always seek to, to, to show the person you're interested in where they're at and what they see. And then you bring in what you see and our significance and what we see to the virgin birth. Amen. Romans 12. Excuse me. Romans 12 is 1. Now, this is awesome. Jesus made it possible for us to be a sweet aroma to God, to be his living sacrifices. Romans 12, 1 says, Beloved friends, what should, we, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender your lives to God, to be sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all the delights of his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Responding to God's marvelous mercies. This is, this is the way that we are living sacrifices to God. When we start responding to his marvelous grace and mercies, we start responding to his love. In closing, Ephesians 5, back to verse 1 from the message translation, says, watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. This is the life of, of sacrifice that Jesus demonstrated to us. He gave everything. He loved without taking any risk analysis. He didn't consider the risk involved in giving himself. He gave because of love. It's who God is. It's who he's always been. And as we come to know God's love for us, as the message says, watch what God does. And then you do it like children who learn from their parents. What God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. We aren't called to live any other way than the life of Christ. We aren't even called to measure whether other people are loving like Christ. That's not our calling to, to look at what other people are doing and, and kind of faulting them on, oh, you're not loving like Christ. That's not our call. Our call is as individual children of God to learn a life of love from him. Watch what he does and do that. God is all about relationship. He's not about rules and regulations. He's all about seeking relationship with you. Because my son, Chris, He's going to grow up to do the things that I'm doing, act in the manner that I'm acting. Why? Because I'm currently drawing up a list for him of the 20 things that he needs to do on a daily basis to be more like me. No, by default, by him seeing what I do, by him spending time with me, being in my company, guess what happens? Like father, like son. That's God's invitation to us. That's been God's invitation from the beginning of time, and man rejected that. Stop rejecting God's way of having relationship with you. 
by trying to do a hundred things, trying to fix your life, trying to do all of these things when Jesus came to restore, to make a way again for God and man to join perfect union, perfect relationship with him. Learn a life of love from God your Father. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.